Chapter Thirty Six of the Inevitable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Inevitable by Louis Capurus. Translated by Alexander Texiera de Matos. The Inevitable. Chapter Thirty Six. Next morning, Urania's maid was showing Cornelie through a maze of galleries to the garden, where breakfast was to be served. When she met Gilio on the stairs, the maid turned back. "I still need a guide to find my way." Cornelie laughed. He grunted some reply. "How did you sleep, Prince?" He gave another grunt. Look here, Prince, there must be an end of this ill temper of yours. Do you hear? It's got to finish. I insist. I won't have any more sulking today, and I hope that you'll go back to your cheerful, witty style of conversation as soon as possible, for that's what I like in you. He mumbled something. Goodbye, Prince, said Cornelie curtly, and she turned to go away. Where are you going? he asked. To my room. I shall breakfast in my room. But why? Because I don't care for you as a host. Me? Yes, you. Yesterday you insult me. I defend myself. You go on being rude. I at once become as amiable as ever. I give you my hand. I even give you a kiss. At dinner you sulk with me in the most uncivil fashion. You go to bed without bidding me good night. This morning you met me without a word of greeting. You grunt, sulk, and mumble like a naughty child. Your eyes are blazing with anger. You are yellow with spleen. Really, you're looking very bad. It doesn't suit you at all. You are most unpleasant, rough, rude, and petty. I have no inclination to breakfast with you in that mood, and I'm going to my room. No, he implored. Yes, I am. No, no. Then be different. Make an effort. Don't think any more about your defeat and be nice to me. You're behaving as an offended party, whereas it is I who ought to take offense. But I don't know how to sulk, and I am not petty. I can't behave pettily. I forgive you. Do you forgive me too? Say something nice. Say something pleasant. I'm mad about you. You don't show it. If you're mad about me, be pleasant, civil, gay, and witty. I demand it of you as my host. I won't sulk any longer. But I do love you so, and you struck me. Will you never forget that act of self-defense? No, never. Then goodbye. She turned to go. No, no, don't go back. Come to breakfast in the pergola. I apologize. I beg your pardon. I won't be rude again. I won't be petty. You are not petty. You are the most wonderful woman I ever met. I worship you. Then worship in silence and amuse me. His eyes, his black carbuncle eyes, began to light up again, to laugh. His face lost its wrinkles and cheered up. I'm too sad to be amusing. I don't believe a word of it. 
honestly i'm full of sorrow and suffering poor prince you just won't believe me you never take me seriously i have to be your clown your buffoon and i love you and i have nothing to hope for tell me mayn't i hope not much you are inexorable and so severe i have to be severe with you you are just like a naughty boy oh i see the pergola do you promise to improve i shall be good and amusing he heaved a sigh poor gilio he sighed poor buffoon she laughed in the pergola were urania and bob hope the pergola overgrown with creeping vine and rambler roses hanging in crimson clusters displayed a row of marble caritides and hermes nymphs satyrs and fauns whose torsos ended in slender sculptured pedestals while their raised hands supported the flat roofs of leaves and flowers in the middle was an open rotunda like an open temple the circular balustrade was also supported by caratides and an ancient sarcophagus had been adapted to serve as a cistern a table was laid for breakfast in the pergola and they breakfasted without old prince ercoli or the marchesa who broke her fast in her room it was eight o'clock a morning coolness was still wafted from the lake a haze of blue gossamer floated over the hills in the heart of which as though surrounded by a gently fluted basin the lake was sunk like an oval goblet oh how beautiful it is here cried cornelie delightedly breakfast was a sunny and cheerful meal after yesterday's dark and gloomy dinner urania talked vivaciously about her albergo which she was going to visit presently with cornelie Gilio recovered his amiability and bob ate heartily and when bob went off bicycling Gilio even accompanied the ladies to the town they drove at a foot pace in a landau down the castle road the sun grew hotter and the little old town lit up with whitish-gray and creamy white houses like stone mirrors in which the sun reflected itself and little open spaces like walls into which the sun poured its light the coachman pulled up outside the partly finished albergo they all alighted the contractor approached ceremoniously the perspiring mason looked round at the prince and princess the heat was stifling Gilio kept on wiping his forehead and sheltered under cornelie's parasol but urania was all vivacity and interest quick and full of energy in her white peak costume with her white sailor hat under her white sunshade she tripped along planks past heaps of bricks and cement and tubfuls of mortar accompanied by her contractor she made him explain things proffered advice disagreed with him at times and pulled a wise face saying that she did not like certain measurements and refused to accept the contractor's assurance that she would like the measurements as the building progressed 
she shook her head and impressed this and that upon him all in a quick none to correct broken italian which she chewed between her teeth but cornelie thought her charming attractive every inch the princess di forte Brasio. there was no doubt about it while gilio fearful of dirtying his light flannel suit and brown shoes with the mortar remained in the shadow of her parasol puffing and blowing with the heat and taking no interest whatever his wife was untiring did not trouble to think that her white skirt was becoming soiled at the hem and spoke to the contractor with a lively and dignified certainty which compelled respect where had the child learned that where had she acquired her powers of assimilation where did she get this love for san stefano this love for its poor how had the american girl picked up this talent for filling her new and exalted position so worthily Cilio thought her admirable and whispered as much to cornelie he was not blind to her good qualities he thought urania splendid excellent she always astounded him no italian woman of his own set would have been like that and they liked her the servants at the castle loved her giuseppe would have gone through fire and water for her that contractor admired her the masons followed her respectfully with their eyes because she was so clever and knew so much and was so good to them in their poverty admirable said Giulio but he puffed and blowed he knew nothing about bricks beams and measurement and did not understand where urania had got that technical sense from she was indefatigable she went all over the works while he cast up his eyes to cornelie in entreaty and at last speaking in english he begged his wife in heaven's name to come away they went back to the carriage the contractor took off his hat the workmen raised their caps with an air of mingled gratitude and independence and they drove to the cathedral which cornelie wanted to see urania showed her round Giulio asked to be excused and went and sat on the steps of the altar with his hands hanging over his knees to cool himself End of chapter 36